At this point, every information portal is saturated with mindfulness content. But this show is a unique, unusual, curious take on mindfulness. Some of what you hear will be completely new to you. Let's dive in and take a look at the nature of the aware mind. I invite you to deepen your awareness so that you may be liberated and inspired. I'm Sarah Vallely, professional coach. I help people overcome anxiety, heal from past trauma, improve their relationships, and maintain better work-life balance. Welcome to the Aware Mind. We are going to be talking about perfectionism today. I have here two guests. I have Allie Sweeney. She is an energy healer and meditation teacher. Also, Marzia Bozzi, who is a mom, expat, and a meditation teacher. And would you take a moment and tell us what an expat is? Hello, everyone. I'm very happy to be here. An expat person is a person who is relocated by the company for business purposes. In my case, it's, it happens every three years. My family and I are changing country and culture every three years. We find out six months before leaving. So we are all in a hurry to pack our stuff and dive into a new experience. I'm so glad to have you on the show. And Allie, too, so glad you're here. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about your energy healing. Sarah, I'm glad to be here, too. Basically, I'm a clairvoyant reader. I see energy based on information from people's higher selves. Thanks, Allie. So today we are talking about perfectionism. And I thought we could begin explaining to our listeners what perfectionism is is for me i think perfectionism is this striving it's like this really really high bar where nothing's ever quite good enough you're just always striving for something better some people mistakenly associate perfectionism with a sort of healthy motivator but it's actually the opposite yeah i would say that perfectionism is a form of shame so shame at the top level and shame being Anything that we think about ourselves, that we put pressure on ourselves about, that we don't think is good about ourselves, that we put ourselves down. I think some people have this conception about what shame is, that shame is like this thing that you did in the past and you feel terrible about it and you have shame about it. But I mean, that's one form, but shame comes in all of these different forms and perfectionism is one of them Mm -hmm. is feeling like we're not good enough. So let's get everything perfect. So maybe we can at least like try to be good, like approach some type of goodness. We might be associating worthiness with getting everything right. You know, where does this come from? Where where do do we come out of the womb, like wanting everything to be perfect? Or does this come from our culture? Does this come from our upbringing? Does this come from certain traumatic experiences? I think it comes from all of those aspects. I have middle school age daughter. A lot of the research now about kids that age, especially girls that age, is that there's a lot of pressure from society to be perfect, to look perfect, to think perfectly. These girls start to withdraw from life because it's overwhelming to have to be perfect in all of these different situations. For me, It comes also just from some early beliefs in my life, whether they were things that happened to me, but just about not being good enough. Being perfect was a way to prove that I was good enough. For me, it was like, 
really trying really, really hard, then I could get some love. And that wasn't true, but that was what was set up in, in my system. A perfectionism can come from the outside world. And especially, as you said, because I also have two daughters, they feel a lot of pressure about perfectionism. For me, it's the same as Ali. I've always thought that if I make things right and perfect, then I'm more worthy of love. It's not healthy to think that way. But when you are stuck in the perfectionism cycle, you just don't realize. And you keep on overloading yourself with tasks. And you think people will love you more for what you do and how you do it. Ali and Marzia, they are both in my teacher certification program to be TSD mindfulness teachers. Part of that program also includes having private sessions where we have worked on some of these ideas. Imposter syndrome, I would say, is a subset of perfectionism. So you have shame and then perfectionism is a type of shame. And then imposter syndrome, I would say, is a, a type of perfectionism. Imposter syndrome is said to come about because of inconsistent feedback as a child. We feel like it was luck, like that we achieved what we did out of luck. It wasn't really because of anything that we were really that good at. We also have this fear that we're going to be found out. That's my type of perfectionism. It's not until just the last couple of years that I will actually tell somebody I meet outside of my job what I do. I would never tell anybody I've written a book. I would never tell anybody I teach classes. I mean, I was just so quiet about it. It was all because on a deep level, I was afraid they were going to figure out that I was just a fraud or something like it's definitely a, a real thing. And, and I think that I did get that from inconsistent feedback as a child. When you set this really high bar and then you're riddled with self-doubt and self-criticism, it just continues the cycle of that striving for perfectionism. What I've found with my clients, when we've had past trauma, we usually find something that helps us get through it. There's some type of coping mechanism that we do to get through it. And sometimes it's perfectionism. Sometimes just getting everything right is what helps a child avoid abuse. Another thing that can happen is as a child, they may have tried different coping mechanisms that didn't work or they didn't think they worked. Then instead of having perfectionism, they have a ton of self-doubt because they didn't find something that they could rely on to get them through. The reason I bring that up is because whatever it is, the person is held to it for until they work it out. It can be 20, 30 years later, and they're still using that same coping strategy that they developed when they were eight years old. And that can lead to um, just terrible burnout and uh, depression and anxiety and things like that. I think that's one of the tricks of perfectionism is that it also is can be really helpful in your life. It was really helpful that I got good grades and got into a good college and graduated and worked really hard. And what I didn't know then is that I didn't have to work that hard to receive those things. But I think that's what makes it that much harder to notice it as a pattern in your life and then actively work against it. So true. And, and there's these people in our lives who look up to us because of it. 
I have found a few techniques that I have used with clients to be really helpful. Some of them, including the practice of noting, which is when we note our thinking to disengage from it, meaning we name our thinking to disengage from it, moving into mental neutrality, being more neutral about circumstances and our thinking, self-compassion, being mindful of when we are in a cycle of perfectionism during the day, noticing, oh, I'm doing that thing where I'm having anxiety because I want to make sure I get this right. And validation. Validation is another approach to help our process, help us heal through our perfectionism and move into more self-acceptance. So I'd love to hear from the two of you about some of the techniques or new ways of thinking that have really helped you with with your journey? I found out perfectionism was hiding loneliness. I've meditated for years unsuccessfully. (laughs) When I found your approach, so TSD, heart-centered, which is exploring the emotions, the deep emotions that are in your heart and that most of the times you cannot experience because... Uh, your mental field or your gut field come into and they, t- they try to protect you from experiencing these emotions. So when I um, really started uh, using TSD mindfulness in a serious way, I noticed that my perfectionism was hiding loneliness. I really decided to see what was in my heart because a lot of times during the first sessions, I was scared. But then one day I said, okay, let's do it. I want to know why I need to prove myself every day so hard. And it's just me because the way I experience perfectionism is self-oriented. So I don't involve other people in the process. I don't care what other people do and the way they do or how things are. It's just only me. And I wanted really to know why I was putting so much pressure on myself. And on the day I finally managed to open up my heart, I cried a river and I experienced a loneliness. It was so relieving to let this emotion come out finally. And at the same time, I was so happy to finally give myself the chance to experience loneliness because people with perfectionism are kind of control freak at least this is what I am if you ask me how are you I I will always answer I'm fine even though most of the time it's not true but I don't want to admit it and I don't want people to see me weak meditation really made such a big difference with perfectionism and now I go through all the steps that you mentioned awareness first I just try to detach myself from my thoughts and say okay I'm in the perfectionism cycle okay let's take a break let's pause try to understand what is going on in my mind then I validate myself my validation is it's natural for anyone to plan I'm a good planner. Validation for me is not trying to fix the the problem, but to acknowledge that there is a problem. And then I need to give myself a lot of self-compassion and saying it's okay. I'm worthy of love. I am loved. I am a good person. And I don't need to prove all these things. 
I find that I can focus better on what I do because, of course, I'm doing less things. And I finally give time to myself to just catch up on with my thoughts and say, hey, what's, what's in my mind? What's going on? I just sit. Can I sit a minute and really do nothing or read a book? It's okay. It's okay if you don't do anything for one hour. The world is not going to end. One of the ways that you validated yourself is it's natural for anyone to go into planning mode. It's okay to do this. I'm a good planner. However, I deserve a break from this activity. Validating your process. We don't want to approach perfectionism as stop doing that. Why are you doing that? Like That's not what we want to do. We want to validate that, yeah, we're doing this. We're doing this because we've had past trauma. We're doing this because of the culture that we live in. You know, Whatever that reason, we're validating ourselves. When we worked together, Marzia, you were talking about the lists that you were making for yourself to complete daily. And I know that sounds like kind of a small thing, but it was causing you a great deal of anxiety. Would you mind going into a little detail about about how much anxiety that was really causing you? Before practicing uh, mindfulness, so before meditating and giving myself self-compassion, instead of repeating myself, it's okay to take a break. You don't need to go through this. I was saying to myself, come on, come on, you can do it. You can do another thing. And this list that I was making every morning with the task was so long. So while I was cooking one thing, I was cooking another one while I was doing something else. So it was really multitasking. My, my mind couldn't go on a break. My days were really full of these activities. I was exhausted at the end of the day. But this is how my mental field was protecting me from experiencing loneliness. I have been living in Bulgaria now. My husband is not here with me during the week. He is coming only in the weekends. I really miss him. And probably I don't want to miss him so much. The perfectionism really results in overextension. So it's like doing more for more people. <laughs> is like how that perfectionism plays out. Self-compassion turned out to be a huge part for me, just telling myself that it's okay if I take care of myself. It's okay if I'm taking a break. My perfectionism also shows up as more judgment of myself. If I made a mistake, that is where my mind would really spin on just the mistake that I made and that that was just not acceptable. Just having compassion around being human and being enough as I am and Mm. I'm lovable, even if I make mistakes. And I'll just sit down for four minutes and just stop everything. And there's something about that that just helps you kind of recenter and regroup and remember what really matters. What I'm finding is that perfectionism really takes me away from all the people that I love or that I'm trying to serve or that I'm trying to help. When you're spinning in that perfectionist place, you're not really present. Mm -hmm. And so something about taking those little breaks, even if I'm not fully meditating, you know, like I'll meditate every morning for a good chunk of time, but throughout the day, I still need those little breaks. And when you take those little breaks, are you just in stillness or are you giving yourself compassion or both? I think all of that is just recognizing where my thoughts might be spinning, taking a break from that, finding my heart, noticing that I'm okay, just the way I am. It's something about that overextension. It says like, you're not okay. You've got to do more. Mm -hmm. And so just kind of reminding yourself that you are okay. 
I remember when we were working together, there were a lot of conversations about the mistakes. Like it was triggering for you to make a mistake or be in a situation where you think you might make a mistake that was really connected to this deep fear of letting people down. I remember us saying, you know, if I was perfect, I could fill everyone's needs. So this pressure to not make any mistakes so you don't mess up other people's dynamics on a deep, deep level, this drive for perfectionism is so much about connection with other people, wherever that comes from our past, or maybe it's just because we're human beings. Those of us who are perfectionists on a deep, deep level, we want to get it all right because we don't want people to leave us. We don't want to be abandoned. We want to keep that connection. The way you show up to people, it's not good because you are not present. My daughters asked me to play with them and I was there physically, but not mentally. I was doing something else and I didn't want to be there in that moment. I was kind of pissed that, oh my God, I had to do this and that. And they asked me to play. This, I think, was one of the first things that made me realize that this was not a good behavior, really the opposite of a healthy motivator. It was really destroying me and my life. Mm-hmm. It was the quality of the time I was spending with, with people was not good. I, I didn't really enjoy that. Because the reality is perfectionism can have a negative impact on relationships. Yeah, in my case, not only was I critical of myself, then I'd start to be critical of everyone else around me. <laughs> right. It's like, I'm I'm setting this bar. Why is not everybody else? Why can't you all meet this bar? I can't meet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of the approaches that we used when we were working together and identifying what part of this is the mind, the mind, we call it the mental field involved in this. What part of this is our gut field? And that's the, our nervous system, how our nervous system is involved in this. And then our heart, uh, our heart being those deep emotions, our trauma, our joy, our gratitude, all of that. And something like perfectionism is so big. It has such a tight grasp on us. And it's hard to break it down unless we can kind of divide it up into its parts. So that's part of the work that we did is we took a look at the, how our thinking was involved in it. You know, looking at some of those, that shame thinking, the actual words and those tapes that we were running in our minds and being mindful of that. We took a look at our nervous system and how our shame cycles actually trigger our nervous system and put us into fight or flight. And we looked at some ways to soothe our nervous system. Then once we were able to quiet some of those shame thoughts and soothe our nervous system, then we can move to the heart to really see what deep is down there. And I know Marcia was talking about loneliness. There's all different kinds of feelings, abandonment, rejection, some of those the different noting exercises specifically for the thoughts and the mental field is kind of categorizing. What are you always thinking about? I mean, that was a huge aha for me because I was always thinking about planning, ruminating, comparing what I was doing to what everybody else was doing, measuring what I was doing, whether it was good enough or not. Categorizing it into the different fields was really helpful for me. I'm constantly striving to make things better and different. Mm -hmm. There was never any time to settle the whole nervous system down. There is a bunch of stuff in the heart that you're just avoiding. Now, regularly, I just tell myself I'm safe. 
I'm safe. And it doesn't matter if I do all the things that I think should be done, I can still be safe. A lot of times we don't want to be emotional because that's not perfect, right? We don't want to be angry. That's for sure not perfect. We don't want to feel lonely. That's not perfect. So then it's this whole idea that if we feel these deep emotions, that there's something wrong with us. It's the self-acceptance is to hold that place in your heart to feel that loneliness, hold that place in your heart to feel that abandonment and realize that's actually something that's beautiful about me, uh, moving into that self-acceptance. It really works for me to tame my mind first with the practice of noting, of course, the meditation, and then moving to the gut field because, of course, the, the gut would like things to be preserved. So no changing in the status quo while your mind is just racing and is thinking already what is coming next. I want more. I want more. It never stops. This kind of approach, TSD, so tame the mind, soothe the gut, and then dual in the heart. It really works for my perfectionism. It's still part of me. It's it's who I am and it, it will never change. Mm-hmm. But now I am very much aware of what I can do to make it worse. Not to do to yeah. not to make it worse. Not, not, not to make it worse. Okay. <laughs> not to make it worse. <laughs> okay, to like, to make it worse. <laughs> not to make it worse. Yes. Oh, gosh. How about cognitive elaboration when something happens, but we don't have all the information? So we start mm-hmm. filling in the missing information with our own ideas. If we're a perfectionist, We often need to be right and we need to figure things out. We need to anticipate. We need to plan. So if we Mm. start filling in the missing information with our own assumptions, then we can better figure it out. But the research shows that that process actually causes anxiety. It it, it can be quite uh, troublesome. It's a very slippery slope. I can picture a family event where I don't have all the details. And I would go all the way down in my brain, making them up. And then none of that would ever be true. But I would create all the scenarios for how I was going to make this part perfect or make that part perfect. And you would do it because you thought it was the best thing to do. It was the way to to make everybody happy and keep you happy. And yeah, your children are amazing mirrors and they do what you model. As I watched my children start to judge themselves as I judge myself, that was a huge wake up to mm-hmm. be like, oh, I would never want my children to feel judged mm-hmm. like I judge myself. Mm-hmm. The wake up was like, well, if I would never want that for them, why do I do it to myself? I would spend too long rereading an email I was writing. Just to make sure I had everything absolutely accurate. Mm-hmm. It would go through with the best way to cook dinner, with the best way to drive the carpool. One of the plays that really shows up is being on time. I can see how that punctual one would really affect you because that involves other people. That's like letting people down and and so forth. Allie and Marzia, you are going through my teacher certification program. So you are teaching mindfulness to other people. Since you are going to be offering classes to the public soon, I'd love to hear what you are hoping to instill in your students. I'd love to hear what your vision is for your classes. What I find really powerful about 
CSD, just becoming aware of the interactions between the three fields. So that's what I really see as myself teaching is just how this gut field and its need to be safe and preserved can often drive so many of your thoughts and even what your desires are, what you're thinking about all day long. People respond so well to that idea of those two fields. And then when they get to be in the heart and watching people open up into that heart-centered world is just kind of magical. We go through our lives and we're not aware that we have our mind and our gut and our heart in these separate forms. They are interacting with each other and exacerbating each other and our stress gets worse. But with these teachings that you're talking about, Allie, we, it brings a sense of calm when we experience them individually. I'm sure your classes explain that very well. Uh, Marcia, how about you? What is your vision for your classes coming up? Well, my classes are perfect. (laughs) 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 The idea behind my program is to grow resilience in people. So resilience, just in case people are confused by your accent. Yeah, resilience. Build the resilience. Resilience. Build resilience. I'm sorry. It goes through the mental field and the gut field first. I want people to be aware of the fields and how they interact, what they produce, to use this information in their daily life. No matter if then they will start meditating or not, of course, it would be a big benefit for them. But if they don't, it it really doesn't matter as long as they are aware that they have these three fields and that there is a way to tame Uh, their mind and soothe their gut in order to uh, see what's in their heart that they can learn how to embrace uncertainty and how to live with it it's it's very important for for them to see what's in their heart what their thoughts are hiding what their stress are is hiding the anxiety the short shortness of breath and the other feeling that you might experience when an uncomfortable emotion is coming up and Marzia, you had mentioned, you know, what do the three fields produce? And our listeners might be curious about that. And so I'll, I'll add in there that the mental field produces thoughts. So that's where our thinking comes from. Our yeah. gut field produces a response and it's usually an instinctual response. And sometimes that response is going into fight or flight. The heart produces emotion, joy, gratitude, abandonment, rejection, all all of those. Well, your offerings sound amazing. Where can they find you? My website is A Light Insight, A L I G H T I N S I G H T dot com. I still don't have one, it's a work in progress. You can always um, find Marzia through me. I will put Allie's website link live in the show notes. Ladies, it was just amazing having you here. I'm so glad we were able to just speak so openly about perfectionism and share our personal stories and, and what we've gone through and what we've found to be helpful. So glad you're here. The Aware Mind Podcast is a TSD mindfulness production. Please check out our show notes for upcoming events and links to additional resources. Please visit our website at tsdmind.org. That is T as in tame, S as in soothe, D as in dwell, mind as in mindfulness.org. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at 
TSD underscore mindfulness.